Soy, the final frontier, I'm Comrade Britain. And I am Lawyer Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS Ocean Gate, our ongoing mission. To seek out new Trek episodes, both cringe and based, and to boldly go... To order in the course! Soy, Trek the Podcast is here. One half vegan, one half winner. 100% communist, unless we have a less leftist guest. Patrick and Britain, talking, joking, farting, and shitting all about Star Trek. Like our buttholes, the show is Soy Trek, the podcast is here, so listen to Soy Trek right in your ears. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the, um, we're actually in the medical unit today. Oh, really? Yeah, because I broke my dick. Oh, shit. Yeah, yep. that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Bumped it on the desk. Yeah. No good story here. It was just uh, walking blind with a with a chubby chub chub, <laughs> chubby checker, and uh, with a checkered past, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That's why I call it the chubby checker. And also, it, it doesn't look like a chess piece. It looks more like a checkers. Now, and Binga is using like a uh, a dick straightener on it. Yeah, yeah. He's like, boop, 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 and he's boop, like, boop, uh, here, play this instrument. It'll take your mind off of <laughs> yeah. having a really weird penis. Yeah. When I use the dick straightener, it's automatically just I'm like, whoa! You just feel like, whoa! My dick straightening. In in the Star Trek future, all dicks are completely straight. Oh yeah. It's, oh, yeah. Which is why it's not utopic, is because someone someone like a curve. Yeah, you gotta have a curve. You gotta have a curve. Other, have otherwise, how how is it hitting the G spot? That's you know, true. I'm always interested in the penises I see in porn that have like a downward curve. Mm. You know, like something like, happened there. Yeah, like I don't know. It's like sexual selection set them up to like only hit it from the backside. Mm. You know, because the G spot is like on the the top side yeah. of a a a uh, vagina, a mm. V'ger. I'm sorry, a V'ger. I'm wondering if that also is probably some sort of like, like back alley like penis implant or something that probably makes it go downward. Back alley penis implant that yeah. makes it go downward. Yeah, I don't, or just like that, that gave it the gave it the downward slope. Cause I, I, th- I think I think I'm it's not sure. is a downward slope like a thing that happens in nature. I think so. I see hmm. I see all sorts of slopes in nature. Hmm. You got an upward, which I think is probably the most common. Yeah, and then a left and a right, which is also mm-hmm. kind of commonish. Mm-hmm. And then the downward, I think, mm-hmm. is the the least common. Downward but facing it, dog. Yes, the downward facing how dog. <laughs> the, the downward facing hog. Oh, <laughs> There we go. There we go. That's what we're talking about, baby. Um, yeah, so, you know. Do you know? I know. I know, too. Guess what? We have ads. Did oh, you shit. know that? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, did you know that for $2 a month, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs, 
and uh, <laughs> you not only get ad-free episodes, you get them all at once instead of waiting for them to trickle out during the week like everybody else. Say what? You also get them in high-quality stereo instead of mono. You're Say lis- what? You're listening to mono right now if you ain't listening to our Patreon. You're listening to old-timey radio. <laughs> old-timey radio. Come on, you and mono at 256 kilobit per second mp3 what do any of those things mean i don't know i speak in a mid-atlantic accent from the 1930s all of those things sound like witchcraft to me our computers are made out of giant tubes i would like if the mid-atlantic accent came back yeah me too but you know, especially be- during sex the mid-atlantic oh, yeah. accent stays on during sex <laughs> oh yeah baby give it to me real good oh oh bully you're giving it to me hard girl i do think like the next generation is like um i've heard multiple people talk about this how mm-hmm. their children yeah have been developing uh youtube inflections to their voice like a youtube cadence okay so like they, as they watch so much youtube they start talking like youtube uh people like that's concerning because youtube people like hey what's up it's your boy travis yeah. like don't don't please that, you're that's too much energy for yeah. common parlance yeah and they've been, people have been saying like oh yeah their children have youtube voice and so i'm wondering if like that's going to be like the new mid-atlantic accent is why we need to get big on YouTube. I'm not. I'm kidding. I, I, that's the thing I want least for my life. Like we put these up here for like listeners of the show who want to watch. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, like YouTube celebrity, I'm not interested. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, just no. Like I've seen YouTube comment sections. I'm fine in being in spaces on the internet like Twitter <laughs> and stuff where I can like, you know, choose in general who sees what i I put out there Mm. but like fucking youtube is a shit show oh yeah giant shit show no thank you (laughs) well twitter is becoming a shit show it is i mean you know they they really took the the brakes off that one and it's Mm -hmm. just careening into a a giant racist mountain at this point yes yes um anyway so uh (laughs) speaking of racist mountains uh wait what Uh, no let's not go no it doesn't um (laughs) <laughs> back to our Patreon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, it fit in with the episode. Sure. Uh, <laughs> if you pay us $5 or more a month, we say thank you to people just like Dylan Lance, Ian Killia, Nick Savard, Jordan Hale, David Craning Sites, Cappies, D. Gursky, Eric and Southlope, and our brand newest uh, patron, Jormore. And then, oh. uh, yeah. And then also, if you give us $10 or more a month, we give you access to the Media Dungeon, which is my Plex server that has not only all of Star Trek, but it's got like 600 some shows. Mm-hmm. It's got like hard six, to find movies, lots of super rare, crazy films. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to. You said that you had the Abyss on there, so I'm oh excited yeah. to go see. Oh that. yeah, I, I think I got I everything seen, James Cameron. On I there. haven't seen it since I was a kid. Uh-huh. It used to freak the shit out of me because mm-hmm. like they did the. Um, the uh, high oxygenated gel, right, so right, right. So that's that's the reason he did the movie. Really? Yeah. So he did the abyss in order to figure out the computer technology he needed to do the liquid metal scenes for the the other Terminator in Terminator Two. Wild. Yeah, he made an entire ass successful awesome film just in order to figure out one thing for another even better more awesome film. Mm-hmm. Which is just the most galaxy brain fucking <laughs> producer shit. Like, this dude is thinking like three movies ahead in his directing oh, choices. Yeah. It's nuts. Dude's awesome. Mm-hmm. And 
Uh, Nibis, apparently you can't find on any other platform, but it's on your Plex. Hell yeah. And um, we also say thank you to those people who subscribe to that. People just like Jonah Hearn, Electric Baphomet, Kyle Simmons, PJ Hale, and Shane Sawyer. Uh, and I only got 10 spots open on this, and five of them are taken up. So if you want to get on, get on fast, baby. Get on that shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, once again, that is patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs. Mm-hmm. $2, $5, $10, whatever you can give. We'd appreciate it. You got to give. You don't have to. You got to give. We will shame you every single episode until you do. <laughs> That's patreon.com slash dumbidiotbs, which stands for bullshit. But also stands for Beetlejuice something. Beetlejuice. No, that's something. something. That's the second uh, word. Oh, yeah. 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 That's right. Beetlejuice that's something. Right. Yep. Beetlejuice something. Mm-hmm. Which isn't a coincidence. Yeah. yeah. Are you looking forward to the new Beetlejuice movie? I think it's just going to be like another. another it's going to be another cash out. I mean, yeah. fucking Michael Keaton is in the twilight of his career where he's just cashing out on all the nostalgia products mm-hmm. people want him to be in. Yeah, sure. I'll play the 1989 Batman again. Yeah, he's got his fucking Oscar. Yeah. You know, he's just like chilling, getting all the celebrity perks and like giant gift bags from places. Mm-hmm. You know. Though uh, what I've seen from clips that have leaked online of the Flash movie, because I'm definitely not going to see that bullshit. No, I just listened to the uh, review on Chapo. It was pretty oh, funny. Oh, was it good? Oh, no, dude. they hated it. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> the review is good. The review is good. The episode yeah, 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 of the yeah, reviewing yeah. it's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I need, I need, damn, I need to listen to that. Uh, yeah, um, but the clips I've seen, like it's just like like video game shit where it has like a CGI Michael Keaton who a man who is like 60, 70 years old. Yep. Uh, fucking jumping around like a um, like he like you're controlling him on a PlayStation or some shit, doing all these stupid flips and shit. Looks awful. Wow, <laughs> looks absolute dog shit. Cool. Yeah, they really had to push that movie though. They had to. Yeah, it was like it was it was I think their last hope effort for like the DC universe. Like and Ezra Miller. Yeah, <laughs> like Ezra Miller has become. He's box, a pariah, like box rightfully. Box office poison. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> in, in the words of the late great um, Norm Macdonald, you know, it'd be a better name for that movie. <laughs> yeah. box, box office, office poison. poison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows? Hopefully, I mean, that's a it's a shame because you know there's something about Kevin, really good movie. Yeah. With uh, Ezra Miller and. Um, Never seen it. What? Yeah. It has. Is is that the really fucked up one? It's pretty fucked up. Uh. I think it's called There's Something About Kevin. Yeah. Like, uh, or we, is is it There's Something About Kevin or We Need to Talk About Kevin? Oh, We Need Kevin? to Talk About Kevin? I think that's the one. Yeah, it's supposed yeah. to be real fucked up. Yeah, right? We Need to Talk yeah. About Yeah, Tell yeah. Swinton. John C. Riley's in it. Oh, I like I like both those actors. Yeah. Ezra Miller. Don't like him. No. <laughs> Don't like him. Them, sorry. Don't them, like them, them at yeah. all. Um, they just do so many toxic male things that I'm like, it's got yeah. now shit. Uh, <laughs> Like, kidnapping is not a non-binary thing. (laughs) Like, if you're non-binary, why are you kidnapping people straight up? (laughs) I don't understand. One of my favorite videos ever is, like, I guess when Ezra Miller was hiding out in Hawaii or something. There was, like, someone's in, like, a a hotel or a building or something. And on the TV, there's, like, a... um, a, uh, uh, a police report, a police alert, mm. <laughs> alerting about if you see them and and you're and you're and uh, 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 you see them, be 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 beware. Mm. And then the camera pans over, and <laughs> Ezra Miller's just talking to a group of women. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like it's just like be watch out, this person's going nuts in Hawaii. Yeah. 
Yeah. Ezra Miller out there proving that us non-binaries can also be giant pieces of mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. Just let you know. If you, you know, if you support, you know, non-binary rights, you got to support non-binary wrongs as well. Yeah. I mean, we are not a monoculture. Yeah. Uh, some of us, very nice, mm-hmm. I think. Some yeah. of us, kidnappers. <laughs> some of us, kidnappers. <laughs> I I think I tend towards the not kidnapping side of the equation. Yeah, yeah. But who knows? Yeah. I mean, you, you know what? You don't, you can't really plan for the future. You have no idea if like one day you may be driven to kidnapping. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Eloquently put. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But you know what? Well, I'll support you. Thank you. I appreciate I'll, I'll, that. I'll drive the Bronco or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so anyway, what did we watch this week, my friend? Uh, I can't remember the name of the episode. We watched. Oh, uh, at, at Asper. Uh, at Astra per Asperger's. Yes. Asper Asperger's. <laughs> uh, we w- and not Asperger's. Asperger's. Oh, either or, really. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but would you no, rather, they're actually w- talking about Asperger's. Would like you rather have. Would you rather have Asperger's or Asperger's? I would rather have Asperger's. Just eat some ass. Okay. Eat, eat like a burger. I don't know if that's uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's ableist or not. Still thinking about it. Still thinking about it. <laughs> I don't know if my question was ableist or not. Actually. I'll have to think about that one. Uh, yeah. Shit. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, we watched uh, Strange New Worlds uh, season two, episode two, two times two. Mm-hmm. That's a two by two. Oh yeah. Sure. Uh, this one was called Ad Astra per Aspera, uh, which is I want to say the seventeenth title in star trek in latin interesting very interesting they do a lot of latin titles up they in do there. love also speaking speaking latin and they and, do uh, that's why like at one point when um i think una was translating translating that phrase it's just like doesn't everyone in star trek already speak latin like it's for like some <laughs> dumb reason even yeah. though it's like everyone, the deadest language ever <laughs> everyone loves fucking latin of course they're all latin nerds they're like you don't need to explain it to us we know yeah like uh, <laughs> we, we all took lat we all took advanced latin in starfleet that's a required <laughs> class they're just like what is the most like western centric thing we could possibly do in the star mm-hmm. trek universe oh let's make everyone really into western musicals shakespeare and fucking Latin. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> like, throw like Octavia Butler a bone or something at least. Yeah. Like, there's other artists out there that aren't fucking white dudes. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. No, I think it's. I think yeah. I, mean, I think we've discussed it. You know, it's it's all about you know what's in the public domain. What can we use in the public domain? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they could. I, mean, I don't know. I'm sure like W. E. Du Bois, some some of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely in there. It can, it can. Yeah, use that stuff. Come yeah, on. There's there's cooler stuff, you know. And that's that's one thing that I don't like about Star so Trek. So languages are in the pub. You know, you can say mm-hmm. whatever language. Like Star Trek straight straight up strays away from like the black radical radical tradition and like doesn't really name like anything or any spacecraft or anything after any black people. Straight mm-hmm. up. It's 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 concerning. I think. Yeah. It sucks. I don't like it. They can probably give that a try if they. They could. To. All I'm saying, make the goddamn USS Fred Hampton. <laughs> yeah. Fucking or, or just the Black Panther. Yeah. That'd be a sick name for a ship. Would be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It would. Yeah. That'd that'd be cool as fuck. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> anyway, so this episode uh, was released yesterday, June twenty second, twenty twenty three. It is. 
uh, the 12th of 12 episodes so far produced in Strange New Worlds, and the 885th or 887th, I believe, uh, Star Trek production overall, depending on how you count. There is um, a lot of discussion going on with that right now, mm. especially in the um, the Star Trek, the Memory Alpha uh, mm. boards. Interesting. Kind of figuring that out, so that's interesting. So, uh, this one was written by Dana Horgan, which... Horgan, like the mm. Horgan from yeah. fucking. That's the coolest name you can possibly have <laughs> for writing Star Trek. Yeah, really. And uh, yeah, so she worked on Supergirl and Once Upon a Time mostly writing so mm. far, and yeah. then has worked on Strange New World since then. But mm. uh, yeah, which is interesting. Driven because of her name, Horgan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I hope so. And then uh, this one's directed by Valerie Weiss, uh, who did three episodes of Suits. And a bunch of series I've never heard of in my life. Damn. It yeah. looks like their talents were really wasted. <laughs> yeah, because this, this episode, I mean. It's popping. And I also yeah, want to point out, this is an episode that centers women. And it does. And it's directed and written by a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's re- it really, really good. <laughs> like, it uh, fucking slaps. I, I, we, we'll talk we, about we it. Love, we love, uh, we love uh, future uh, lawyer dramas. Oh, we fucking do. And we will talk about that. So yeah. let's just jump right in. Una thinks it's back to an injury that occurred during her childhood. Um, her parents worried that her Alarian genetics would be discovered if they went to a hospital. In the present, she is seated across from Captain Battelle, who tells her Starfleet is willing to offer her a deal. She pleads guilty to the charges. She will be granted a dishonorable discharge with no prison time. Una notes the dishonorable part, but Battelle assures her that it would not result in her exile. She would be a free citizen in the Federation, and Starfleet would seal her records. Yeah, like that's that's a pretty shitty deal, honestly. That's a bad deal, especially if you like your job. I don't know. Yeah, it's and yeah, you've you've and she accomplished so much on mm-hmm. on uh, on the Enterprise already. It's just like yeah, it's it's awful. Like, yeah, yeah, not Ooh. very good. So. Uh, Battelle considers it a good deal given the evidence, and Una's defender, Una's defender from the Judge Advocate's General Office, agrees with this. Una elects to sidebar that particular conversation for a moment, and Battelle gets up to leave and allow Una to speak with her lawyer. Una pointedly asks how she can get proper counsel when her defense works for the prosecution, mm-hmm. which is a, a interesting idea like because the you know public defenders do work for the state technically Mm -hmm. like they're paid by public funds and so like can you really get a really equitable lawyer if you can't afford one yeah it's a very good question also like i mean they're i'm they're lawyering for free Mm -hmm. farther like uh but yeah, it's just like, yeah, why not just choose anybody <laughs> at that point? Right. Like That's not- a very good question. Like, is no one else willing to defend her? Like, come on. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's got to be people who, like, have a bone to pick with a federation, especially for shit like Well, this. I can see, like, um, you know, she probably just got, like, a guy who just wanted, mm-hmm. who just decided, got stuck with it. Because I can see, like, because how they paint this court case is, like, it's, it's, it's a guaranteed lose for her. Mm-hmm. So it's just, like, probably no one wanted to be attached to it because, like, the, 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 the evidence and the, na- and, the, and the nature of Starfleet and mm-hmm. how they react to um, genetic modification, like, it's pretty cut and dry. So but, I mean, like, you figured they would, there would be, like, some a- kind of, like, ACLU type thing. Yeah, you would think, yeah. You, 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 I mean, no matter how, like, liberal a society gets and, like, utopian, there will always be radicals of some sort. Yeah. You know, because you see radicals, you know, with stuff like um, 
uh, although I don't believe they're really that radical, uh, like the Maquis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you figure there would be at least someone on the Illyrian side or yeah. something. That's what like the show, like, you know, they've proven in, in, uh, in, star- in previous episodes of Star Trek, you know, like um, pretty much every uh, Starfleet captain, commander or whatever is mm-hmm. fully capable of taking on a case if they wanted. Yeah, that's true. I, I was almost surprised Pike didn't take the, uh, the defense. Yeah, I know. Pike could have just won with handsome hair. Exactly. Yeah, he could have charmed his way out of that. Yeah, he could have just been done the handsome hair defense, and they would have been like, Uh "Give this man everything." Yeah, he (laughs) he could have just like individually winked at each of the judges, and then the case would have been won (laughs) hands down. Like, yeah, Pike had to do it the hard way, though. You know, you got to respect that. I mean, Pike was like, "I don't want the." If he would have winked at them, at least two of the judges would have had the hard way. (laughs) No no one's worth penises. Pike was like, "I don't want to win that way. I don't want to win. I I I I need this to be like an emotional, gut wrenching, inspirational moment. Right, right. I can't just go in there, wink, you know, maybe like show the tip of my dick. I need to. (laughs) I can't play tippy on him. I can't play tippy on him. I can't do do that. No handsome hair defense. So that's what it's called, by the way. When you just show people the tip of your dick to like intrigue them, it's playing tippy. Oh yeah playing tippy on him. and then you just you take the sides and make it move like a mouth go hey how's it going <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> like like uh jim carrey talks with his butt but yeah. you're talking with the, the head of your penis oh yeah yeah i got a, i got a real meaty foreskin though so i can just go like hello <laughs> how are you <laughs> um, yeah oh nice good yep. to know <laughs> Yeah, this this big bulge here. <laughs> I don't have a big penis. It's just a meaty foreskin, <laughs> meaty foreskin, and one really enlarged testicle. Trust me on Ooh. that. It's something else. It's it it. I have to wash it. Have you ever seen? I a have doctor? to wash it hourly. Have I seen a doctor? Yeah, they're everywhere. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, but yeah, but the showed them. The show with them, like the good doctor. Oh yeah, the good doctor. I am a doctor. (laughs) I'm a surgeon, Doctor Han. I'm a surgeon. Oh, that's right. I'm a a surgeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually kind of want to watch that show now. Don't. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So they also say that if she doesn't take the deal, Una will get up to two years, or like a mandatory two years, which like. Uh, really brings up the conversation. What is Starfleet doing with a carceral state still? Yeah. It's a really bad thing. Yeah. It's bad. It's real bad. Yeah. It's, and over, over something as like, you know, genetic modification, like mm-hmm. I, you know, I, but I, then I get like, you know, this kind of happened with Julian almost, you know, almost. Yeah. Like, but, mm-hmm. but In, I guess uh, it was it. Uh, Julian Bashir, I presume, was that the episode? I think so. Yeah. 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 Or uh, Mr. Bashir, I presume. Yeah. Yeah, and his uh, his genetic modifications and stuff, mm-hmm. and but I guess this this set the groundwork for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, Captain Pike has traveled to a world in the Volturra Nebula, seeking legal aid for Una, and he's not looking so well. He's got a big old mask on his face. Yeah. Uh, the planet. I liked it when it when it came uh, showed him because I was like, did I miss something? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, is he sick now? What's happening? Like, yeah, cause it, it, is he already in like in like burnt Pike mode? Yeah. What's going it, on? It, showed, it showed like every, uh, other people walking normally around mm. him, and I'm just like, wait, what, does he have COVID? What's going on here? Yeah, so, <laughs> the planet's atmosphere is not suitable for humans, so he's forced to wear a breathing mask. But he mm-hmm. says that other people there have acclimated to mm-hmm. it. So. The other Illyr- the Illyrians. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seats himself in the office of Counselor Nira Katul, who we'll meet in a minute, and is played by uh, Yatidi uh, Badaki of American Gods. 
Too. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I recognized her from somewhere. I'm like, God, where is she from? Like I've recognized her before cause she's fucking beautiful. Oh yeah. And, uh, like, she does a really good job as uh, what as uh, who she play in American Gods. Um, to, yeah, one of the, like, yeah. 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 Um, so the secretary speaks uh, with her boss about Pike still being there and says that she can't see her uh, see him today. So she turns and tells Pike that the counselor can't see him at all uh, as she is completely booked up, and Pike says that he can wait. However, his oxygen supply is at two percent and beeps <laughs> at him. Uh, and the secretary takes this as evidence that Pike actually can't wait, and he says, try me, and his oxygen runs out entirely. <laughs> and so the secretary goes, okay, and <laughs> uh, scrambles to get Pike into a meeting. So we go to Nira's office, and she adjusts the atmosphere in her office for Pike, and a whole, like, it's a couple fog machines that yeah, blow a bunch of stuff out, and you can take the mask off now, and he's like, oh, is this a Cybergloth club? Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know why he just didn't wear, um, like, just, like, the things they wear to, like, Inhospitable Planet, just like a full spacesuit. Or the fucking cool belt they had for one episode of oh, TAS. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Like, the thing that completely protects, well, this actually takes place before that. That's true. So that is yet. true. This is like probably ten years before that. So, okay. but he, he still could have worn like a spacesuit or something, probably, because even with the mask, he was having trouble breathing. It would have been cool if he wore the Loki mask from Jim Carrey in the mask. Oh yeah, that would have been much funnier. Somebody stop me! Yeah, that would have been a much funnier twist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they don't even acknowledge it. He's just going around with and uh, has a mask, like, and they uh, just think he's a really fucked up Illyrian. <laughs> he's, he's doing like he's doing the Karumba dance, <laughs> and he's, he's he's doing the uh uh was the Bahama Pete or what was it um, Mango Pete uh, Cuban Pete. Pete Cuban Pete. They call me Cuban Pete. <laughs> I'm the king of Karumba beat. When they shake the maracas, I go chick chicky boom chick chicky boom. Yep, and he just gets to the office, takes off the mask, and mm -hmm. then it, the whole episode plays as if it never happened. Beautiful. I would love that. <laughs> A perfect episodic episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, after the fog machines go off, um, he says he knows that she and her people are Alarians, and Nira had thought this fact would grant a measure of privacy to them. Uh, she had known it was only a matter of time before Una was outed and that Starfleet would never allow an Illyrian or anybody uh, genetically modified to serve openly. And that is not her problem, she says. Pike isn't sure what happened between the two of them, but points out Una is her friend. And Nero replies that Una is not her friend and neither is Pike. Damn, girl. Damn. You talking like that's his man this handsome? Come on. <laughs> what you doing? But then we she, learn. He could be your friend. Could 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 be, but I think he, he needed to do a tippy. I, I maybe, but I think she might be uh, an Una type friend in a, a very sapphic way. You know, mm. a, a friend in quotation mark, like those friends that live together for thirty years of their uh, life, yeah. kind of thing. Nice. They drive a Subaru. Yeah, there's there's a little too much like oh, hand holding in here to mm. where I'm like, oh, they definitely scissored before. <laughs> like, and maybe that's wishful think. That is wishful thinking. But I think it's also realistic. Yeah. Um, hey, kitty cat. They can read your erotic fan fiction if they, if they wanted to know more. See, wh see where this, see where that little interaction. Oh, went. that's hidden right up here, my friend. <laughs> right up here. I only whisper that to myself in the dead of night. Yep. They want to know. They got to crack your head open like an egg. <laughs> Please end my suffering. 
end everything. Um, so Pike knows this is because of uh, Nera's opposition to the Federation's policy. Yeah. He admits that Starfleet and he himself was wrong about Illyrians, explaining about the mission to the abandoned Illyrian colony on uh, um, Hedimit 9, which was in the last season, mm. which uh, he says turns out wasn't so abandoned. Yeah, they and just became we, uh, lightning people. Yeah, yeah, and we found out that the Illyrians who tried to uh, actually appease the Federation and become part of the Federation in shedding their genetic modifications were unable to sustain corporeal forms mm. and became like these beings of light and like in a storm planet, which isn't ideal, I don't think. And uh, so they probably get used to it. They probably get used to it, but they kind of fucked up their chances of like becoming like Federation citizens because mm. they wanted to follow the Federation rules. That's true. Which is, you know, a, a conundrum, mm -hmm. I would say. So. Pike says that uh, he discovered what happens to Illyrians trying to reverse their genetic modifications so the Federation would accept them, uh, which is what we just talked about there. Nero sarcastically congratulates him for discovering empathy mm -hmm. and asks him to let her know when the rest of the Federation catches up, which is a pretty scathing and, like, really well-written line. Mm -hmm. Like, it's always nice to see a character that has, like, legitimate beef with the Federation because they do have shitty regressive laws. Yeah. Um, like this, like I would say, like a cyborg. Mm -hmm. Like cyborg has legitimate complaints about the way things are run. Yeah, and uh, and she does too. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I really like that. I really like a righteous indignation for something that's supposed to be utopic. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's like well, you've you've erased like uh, you know racism and bigotry and all these other ways. But, but have you? But yeah. have you? Yeah, this the, when this still exists, you mm -hmm. know and. And yeah, it's like not every single alien culture can um, acclimate to like these standards, like right. because like you know genetic modification is a part of the Illyrians' entire culture, mm -hmm. and it's like not something that they can like totally give up, you know. And, and it's a law too that is incredibly, incredibly ethnocentric to Earth. Yes, because mm -hmm. it's like the only reason it's outlawed in the first place is because of the eugenics wars mm -hmm. that were completely specific to earth yep. before the federation ever existed yep which is really weird and this, that, like and everyone else just agreed to this shit yeah and meanwhile yeah like the illyrians have were able to get to um the warp, warp capable stage mm -hmm. uh without you know killing each other over genetic modifications right or like or or forming the next hitler right which is <laughs> a very good point like they didn't yeah. have a, a soon who like obliterated the earth yeah and so why are we blaming it on genetic modification when it's clearly like human evil that is the problem yep and they and clearly they've they've done it to survive in harsh conditions because mm -hmm. i'm guessing like possibly yeah lyrians like when they started off in their infancy was were probably like on planets that weren't you know m-class planets or anything like then they had and they had to adapt out of survival and that's mm -hmm. just become like you know, basically like getting a haircut almost. Yeah, a way of life. Yeah, <laughs> it's a way of life. A tradition. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's tra tradition. Tradition. Uh, so Pike reminds Nira that Starfleet wanted to dismiss Una from the service. Nira thinks dishonorable discharge was getting off easy, which is what I do when I just rub the head of my penis really fast. <laughs> doing the tippy. Yep, doing playing tippy by myself. Playing tippy. <laughs> it's playing, playing, playing solo tippy. <laughs> um, 
into a solo cup. Um, <laughs> so Nero thinks dishonorable discharge is getting off easy given Starfleet's draconian race laws. Yeah. And says she should be glad she was not being charged with sedition. Pike is surprised as the proceedings were sealed, but Nira says she has her ways of getting the truth to save her clients' lives. As Nira again tries to dismiss Pike from her office, the captain tries another tack, asking about her cases against the Federation. Ten in all in over two years, overturned or dismissed for insufficient evidence. He says he's done his research as well and believes her cases to be just. He pleads with her to take on Una's case because if she wins, it would be known across half the quadrant and would bring her other cases the attention that they needed. Nir asks if he's trying to bribe her, but Pike replies he's simply trying to convince her as well as save an old friend. He hands over the case file saying she would probably not even break a sweat. Nira calls him a piece of work and he agrees but points out she hasn't said no. Mm -hmm. Oh, she didn't say no. He's using that handsome hair. Oh, god damn. Ain't no one saying no to Pike. How could she's you like, say no to that fucking She's face? like, god damn it. You handsome Dick. son of a bitch. Damn, your good hair. God fucking asshole. Damn, you fucking conventionally attractive <laughs> white male. The hair winks at her somehow. Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's like, what? I don't know what it's doing, but it looks like it's winking. Uh, just a lock falls down and then comes back up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so next, Nira Vinitz Una in her cell for a conjugal visit. Oh, hells yeah. No, I wish. I really wish. Mm -hmm. I really, really wish. Mm -hmm. uh, Let so their fingers do the talking, if you know what I mean. That's that's uh, Vulcans for Pondfar. Also, also when you're when you're reading through the... Oh, doing tarot readings. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Got gotcha. you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Nero visits Una in her cell, telling her she knew this would happen eventually. Una's a bit put out that the first words out of her old friend had to say to her in 25 years were essentially, I told you so. And mm -hmm. Nero brushes aside any attempts at small talk or justification and tells her to go over the short version of the case. Una explains that until two months earlier, her record was spotless because Starfleet didn't know and therefore didn't care about her being Illyrian and genetically modified. But someone had turned her in and now Starfleet was wanting to hide any evidence of an Illyrian climbing the ranks. They wanted it to be like she never existed at all. Nero bluntly suggests that her playtime is over and she should accept her dismissal and just go home. But Una refuses, believing that she, that they, should not have to hide anymore. She admits she should have stood up sooner, but she is doing so now. Nero decides to inform opposing counsel that the plea deal is rejected. But when Una thanks her, she tells her she's not doing it for Una, but selfishly for herself and those Illyrians who couldn't or wouldn't hide who they were and had to run away from Starfleet. So Battelle is furious as she confronts Pike with Una's rejection of the plea deal. Having had to call in all of her favors to get the deal in the first place, Pike is empathetic, but Una's place is on the bridge, on his bridge, doing her job and not in a prison cell. Battelle points out that they were charged with upholding the law and Una broke it. And what if the law is wrong? Pike mm -hmm. asks. Great question. Battelle assures him she did not ask for this case and believes she is doing everything she can to help Una. But now the Judge Advocate General is looking into the case. 
who's some uh, Vulcan son of a bitch. Yeah, bastard. Yep. So Una and Nira are waiting in Admiral Javis's office for the prosecution to arrive. A moment later, Battelle enters, accompanied by Vice Admiral Pesalk. Battelle informs Javis that the charges are being amended. In addition to falsifying her records and violating Starfleet's code against genetic modification, Una is now being charged with two counts of sedition, with the recommended penalty being dishonorable dismissal and 20 years imprisonment in a Federation penal colony. Mm. What the fuck? Yeah, that's fucked up. What do you mean sedition? Like, what? Come on. Yeah, are 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 they are we current or is the Federation currently at war with the Alarians? It's I like, don't think so. It's like, yeah, it's like what what is the big deal? Yeah, I'm very confused about that as well. Mm-hmm. So, Una is incredulous at the idea of 20 years in prison for lying on an application, but Nira pointed out that this is Starfleet's re- reaction to her rejecting the plea deal. The prosecution's first witness. So, so we have like a punitive state here. Yeah, which is something we shouldn't have in Star Trek. I think. No, it kind of sucks. Yeah, like to to give her a more severe punishment for just for rejecting like the plea. Just yeah. seems they're just being petty. They're being petty. Yeah. yeah, Tom Petty. Yeah, and especially yeah, like yeah, like the prosecution does not come off good in this. I mean, they shouldn't, but it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they come off like they're acting in bad faith. They do. Yeah, not a big fan. So uh, the prosecution's uh, first witness is Admiral April. We go to the, the case now. It's um, already starting up. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, we, we're not quite yet. So they say that the prosecution's first witness is Admiral April, uh, who's Una's sponsor at Starfleet Academy and a mentor. Una thinks this might be good for the case, but Nira isn't so sure about that, thinking Pasalk. Uh, the the Vulcan guy, uh, would not call a friendly witness without some kind of strategy. Mm. Una thinks Nera should call her to the stand, allowing her to show an Illyrian being a successful Starfleet officer, but Nera points out that the prosecution would tear her down and insists that they should do this her way. Aboard the USS Enterprise, La'on brings Nera to Una's quarters, where she could stay for the duration of the case. Nira asks for a copy of the Federation Uniform Code of Justice and Una's service record, and uh, where Una's panty drawer is. She's going to sniffle. Big ol' sniff. La'on stays put for a moment, volunteering to help with the case, pointing out the precedent of Starfleet versus Wick, John Wick. Mm-hmm. When, uh, and they lost against John Wick. Yeah, to a pencil. Yeah. <laughs> killed the entire courtroom with a pencil. This was a follow-up to the Kittimer Accords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't go so well. No. No. So Nira, an experienced civil rights lawyer, which it's so weird that this future must have civil rights lawyers. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she knows this involved the fruit of a poisonous tree, as she says. A dismissal of a case on a technicality due to illegally obtained evidence. Nira wonders if La'an knows something about that. It seems evident that she does, but she asks to cover all the bases first. In the crew lounge, Pike is going over the case notes when he is approached by Battelle. Both are aware that his name is not on the witness list for the defense. Pike knows she would think it a terrible idea, but points out that he has known Una the longest out of the entire crew. They had met while she was at the academy, where he gave a speech. 
um, leading Battelle to joke about how he disliked inspiring speeches. Uh, and the speech was about a test mission he had flown. Mm. Una had come up to him afterwards and pointed out a, a mistake that he had made during re-entry. Uh, April had told him that every good captain needed a first officer to tell him when he's wrong, which I like that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you need to tell me I'm wrong more often on the show. I should. <laughs> it, I mean, it'd be a lot easier if I was ever wrong. Though. Yeah, yeah. I am almost entirely right. Vettel <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, recalls he had told her the same thing before getting into professional mode. Asking as a prosecutor to a witness when Pike found out Una was in Illyrian. She's making clear that Pike on the witness stand would result in his possibly being charged with conspiracy, and it would jeopardize not only his career, but his entire crew. No inspiring speeches today, she warns, telling him to let others do the talking if he truly wanted to help his first officer. So... Next we go to Ortegas and Dr. Mbenga, who are seated at a nearby table watching Spock speaking with Admiral Pasak. Ortegas is sarcastically playing out the conversation between the two as if uh, they were typical uh, deadpan Vulcans, which is actually pretty funny. Yeah, like, yeah. This is one of the first times they give Ortegas some like comic relief dialogue that mm -hmm. doesn't like fall very flat, which mm -hmm. I like. Also, she's probably like one of the few, besides Lon, Leon, like uh and you know pike characters mm. that actually get some major speaking roles in this like mostly like the rest is like everyone's just watching the courtroom uh, drama what's her f um fucking ahura has like a, a really good monologue oh she does yeah, yeah when yeah. she's talking to lawn i think yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah and so there's 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 some pretty good stuff in here and yeah it's it's interesting it's another episode like the first episode was almost entirely spock and the crew mm. and then this one is like i don't know it doesn't even really center on pike as no. much it centers on Nira the most i think yeah Nira is like yeah Nira is like the entire focus of it which i like yeah, yeah i liked it too I, they yeah. were just like hey here's like a a, a hot really interesting black woman mm -hmm. deal with it oh also she's an illyrian <laughs> deal with it i'm like cool 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 <laughs> i like that give it to me <laughs> So, um, where are we here? On the bridge, uh, are, okay, so, um, Mbenga, who has studied on Vulcan, sees the underlying tension between Spock and Pasalik, and it's that they hate each other. <laughs> A moment later, Spock abruptly uh, rises and approaches, apologizing for his outburst and admitting that of his father Sarek's former colleagues, Pasalik brought out the worst in him. After Spock leaves, Ortegas and Mbenga struggle not to break down laughing. <laughs> yeah. Which is a little not great for a guy like reliving trauma. <laughs> like, yeah. like, he reminds me of my, my deadbeat dad. Yeah. And they're like, ha ha, ha ha. Well, so it's like, oh yeah, I just had an outburst and he didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like very muted reactions, mm -hmm. but it's like to Spock it was like embarrassing. Indeed. So on the bridge, Laon approaches Ahura, which is here's the speech I was yeah, just yeah. talking about. So asking for any communications referencing Una over the past six months, including all shipwide personal logs. Ahura is aware that personal logs are sealed per regulation unless ordered to be opened by Starfleet Command. Laon tries to make it an order, but Ahura refuses. Good girl. Mm -hmm. uh, she recognizes that Laon is trying to help Una, but had been her mentor, just like Laon was for Ahura. 
but points out that following an illegal order could get La'an into trouble, which is not what Una would want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. As the crew watches aboard the Enterprise, uh, the trial starts. Admiral Javis brings the proceedings to order with the Tellarite Space Command representative, Zeus Tlogel, and the Vulcan Command, uh, Vulcan Starfleet Commander, Shiv, as her fellow judges in the tribunal. So we got a, a three-judge tribunal here. Mm-hmm. She asks Una if she consents to Battelle as prosecuting officer, which she does. Which I like they actually have a thing where you can consent or not consent to a pr- prosecuting officer. Yeah, that's nice. Indeed. I would, I would just keep... Uh, rejecting? Yeah. Rejecting until I get the most incompetent one and be like, right. that one. Yeah. <laughs> yep, just get the guy who comes in with just like ketchup on his notes and you're like, <laughs> yeah, no, the one with barbecue sauce. Him. <laughs> He's the prosecutor. Look at my lawyer's pants, dog. I'm going to jail. <laughs> 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 look at look at my prosecutor's pants, dog. I'm not going to jail. <laughs> yeah, not going to jail. yeah, just gets the guy and that has just like a, his ties halfway done. <laughs> he obviously just woke up. <laughs> like he's just like he was, he fell asleep outside somewhere. So, somehow his clip on tie is untied. <laughs> yes, but yeah, the clip on tie is untied. Like giant coffee stain on his shirt. That has no idea what day it is or where he is. There's a giant ring of barbecue sauce around his mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I wish that was me. Yeah. It can be you. Yeah, it can be. It's time, time to go to, to law school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, or st- or kill someone with a law degree and steal their identity. Mm. That's much easier yeah, and faster. Yeah, it's much faster. Much faster. Especially if you eat them. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll never know. <laughs> they'll just show up to their job one day and they'll be like, who are you? And be like... I changed. I changed. <laughs> I got I got plastic surgery. I'm still Eric. I just got plastic surgery <laughs> yeah. to, to look like this. <laughs> and now I just keep going through all the lawyers in America until I find one that looks like it, me. And they're like, it was Erica? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I look, oh, bro. Uh, what? You got some, ab- you got some against trans people? <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm out of here. <laughs> um, so... The charges are read, formally charging Una with violating Starfleet's code on permanent DNA modification, submitting false information to Starfleet, and two counts of sedition, which I don't, I still don't get those. Yeah. Uh, Una pleads, not guilt. Battelle opens the case by citing the precedent for the Federation's ban on genetic engineering, the eugenics war on Earth, which had caused the deaths of tens of millions. Genetic engineering was, as she says, nothing short of playing God, which at this point fucking god was killed by spock a hundred years ago yeah like with a fucking klingon ship like yeah. why are we caring about god still yeah it's fine yeah like, come on like we we all killed we all killed our gods now yep. we don't need to even fucking speak. klingons killed their gods mm-hmm. like the only gods that still exist are in a bajoran wormhole mm-hmm. and they don't know about that shit yet no they haven't even contacted bajor no no, no. they just hang out in that in the space butthole and mm-hmm. do something why not? Have dreams. <laughs> have dreams. They have dreams in the space butthole, dude. Impregnate people on Earth. Hell yeah. Or get impregnated by people on Earth. Either or. Either Why not or. both? Why, Why not, not both? both? Uh, send a two-way sperm. Sam. <laughs> um, so she says genetic engineering is nothing short of playing God and endangers the essence of natural evolution. I think a lot of things endanger the essence of natural evolution. Right? Yeah, I think like pretty much everything that exists in the Federation now. Right. <laughs> it, it's just like, and there, there are certain things they can do and certain medicines they have that have to be genetic 
engineering in some way or the other, right? Mm -hmm. Were you wearing two pairs of sunglasses? That's pretty sick. Yeah. That's very cool. Very cool. Um, (laughs) It's weird to me. This is like the argument of like, oh, it's not natural. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of things that aren't natural, buddy. I know. Like whenever somebody says that, I'm like, okay, well, so is driving a car. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what is natural in this world anymore? Name me all of the natural things that you fucking do. Like the the only natural thing that most of those people do is they don't wipe their ass yeah exactly like the, and they don't wash their ass like, yeah, most 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 things that we eat now does not has is does not exist on earth naturally <laughs> yeah right like like none of the people like there's two types of people who are who are like oh the it's not natural there's mm-hmm. like uh you know fucking like vegan hippies mm-hmm. who are like oh man all the chemicals and everything man it's not mm-hmm. natural and then they die at like 65 <laughs> because of a bed bug and bed bug infestation or something <laughs> yeah. like that. um can't do penicillin man no that shit's not natural brother got this weird uh weird uh, uh Did you know on that, my leg that's that's mold man <laughs> why would you put mold in your body that's like poison <laughs> dude um yeah, there's that type, and then there's the guys who like do steroids, and they're yeah. like, "No, man, it's all natural. Everything. Uh, 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 what? 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 <laughs> a woman with a penis? That's not natural. <laughs> that ain't natural. By the way, I'm on a whole bunch of HGH, and <laughs> yeah, it's like you're on more growth hormone than any trans woman I've ever met, buddy. Oh yeah, you're like, pu- you're, you're you're like someone should nurse you because it's nothing but pure hormones coming out right? of your tits. <laughs> Out of your, out of your masculine pecs. Right, God. Speaking of speaking of which, we got to talk about Ethan Peck's pecs. Oh yeah, he has been like j- just bench pressing continuously since Hell the yeah. last season of Strange New Worlds. This dude has boobs. He does. This dude has nice boobs. Like, and they, he has a very tight. They always give him like very tight fitting shirts around mm-hmm. the chest, and I gotta say, they'd be pleasing. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be. And, and Twitter be noticing. I've oh, yeah. got I've got Spock's titties all over my timelines <laughs> and shit. It rules. Yeah. So I mean that's the thing because like that actor, you know Ethan Peck, he has to keep that haircut. Yeah. You know, mm. When when he films, mm. and wh- how are you going to like you know be hot with that haircut? Yeah, you gotta just like hit the gym. You gotta be, right. You gotta get the you, crazy pecs. He's got the, he's got the he's got the cum gutters. He's got like right. the obliques. He's got he got eight pack shit. Uh huh. Like and he has a goofy ass fucking haircut. Hell yeah, we love to see <laughs> it. And he's got tits. And he's got titties. He's got pumps. He's got just like crazy Vulcan tits, and we love them. We yeah. love to see them, don't we, folks? Oh yeah. We do. Some people be sucking on them. Hell yeah. We hope so. <laughs> I hope he's getting his titties sucked on for sure. Oh, yeah. Them titties getting sucked on. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Nira rises to speak for the defense, pointing out that while it was true that genetic en- engineering is illegal under Federation law, there were a number of practices that had been legal at one point or another, mm-hmm. including slavery, apartheid, discrimination against people for their religious beliefs, mm-hmm. which I think we should still do, yeah. <laughs> p- particularly towards um, Protestants mm-hmm. and evangelicals, yes. um, uh, how they loved their gender identity or even the color of their skin. She points out that having a law does not make it just, though she concedes that the Federation may not mean to do any harm, and that their experience with genetic modification was indeed horrific. The Federation has built a utopia in the wake of that experience, 
is it a utopia? Because you still got prison colonies with 20-year <laughs> sentences yeah. for being different. Yeah, 20, even, like, now, it's like... 20 years is a lot for, like, I mean, even sedition, it's like... Yeah. There, nobody spent 20 years in Guantanamo Bay. No. Yeah, and that's, they like, most of the time, like, in other countries, like, 20 years is the cap. The yeah. maximum you can put somebody into prison. I gotta say, the reason no one in Guantanamo Bay has spent uh, 20 years there is because it's only been open uh, for 20 years, and also everyone there is innocent. Yeah, basically, absolutely. like they've they've gotten one conviction out of having like uh, several thousand prisoners there. Yeah, which tells right. me they just put people in cages for the fuck of it. Yeah, just because you can torture. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, uh, Abu Ghraib, uh, have you seen The Card Counter? By Yeah, it's a really good It's movie. so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just watched that the other night. Yeah. Paul Schrader film. Mm-hmm. Fucking Oscar Isaac kills. Yeah, yeah, he does a really good he's, job. He's a magnetic performer. And I didn't know anything about the movie going in. Like, oh, it's, I it's it. crazy. I didn't either. I was either. like, oh, it's going to be a poker movie Yeah, or yeah. Oh, hey, we got a, we got a blackjack movie here. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's it's going to be like The Rain Man. Yeah. And at the end of it, I was like, what the fuck? Fuck! Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, in a good way. In, yeah, in, in, in a, a very way. Paul Schrader, like, oh, damn. He got he got the whole world fucked up kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, which we, we love. We love Paul Schrader in this mm-hmm. house. We, we love. Yeah, I, he's great. I also just saw another Paul Schrader. I'm on a big Paul Schrader kick. Mm-hmm. I watched Dog Eat Dog the other day. I never seen that. It's it, not as good. Mm. It's fucking crazy. It stars Nick Cage, um, Willem Dafoe, and another guy. Mm. It's like three guys doing like heists and stuff. Mm. And uh, Willem Dafoe plays this guy named Mad Dog who is like insane. It's actually <laughs> yeah. a, a really good. I don't love Nick. I feel like that that's probably should have been Nick Cage's role. Mm. No, honestly, like Willem Dafoe was made for this one. Oh, yeah. Like, he it is, is a very scary guy. He, he, yeah, he plays a really wiry, crazy guy. Yeah. Which, like, he, like muscular, like. Like lean, muscular, crazy guy. Yeah, absolutely. Like a guy that you're afraid of, even though he's not big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he looks like he'll fuck you up. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just because he's not afraid of anything, and he's just a little evil monkey man. Mm-hmm. He kind of looks like a monkey, doesn't he? he Wonderful. Does. Of of all the celebrities, I think he might be one of the monkeyest. Monkeyest. Yeah. 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 I would say he like he definitely looks like he even more like- so than Ray Davies. Get it? Because he was in the monkeys. <sighs> That's funny. That's funny. That was a funny joke that it I made. It was good. It was pretty good. Yeah, I feel like he could he could seamlessly blend in with like a like a group of bonobos. Yeah, yeah. like he, he he, I mean, he would act his ass off, and his and he'd also just like pull out his giant dong, and they just marvel at it. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, rah, rah, and then like, and then like and one would uh, get sucked off by a couple monkey babes. Oh hell's yeah! And he'd be like, this is weird. And then they'd pick the fleas out of his back and eat them. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm looking for. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if, if we some, were monkeys <laughs> and someone could eat all your fleas? <laughs> and then I'll suck your monkey dick <laughs> on your fucking monkey knees. Okay. <laughs> um, so um, she makes this point about how illegal thing or legal things have been bad in the past, which is true. Uh, The Federation built this utopia, and she says, if a law is not just, then I ask, how are we to trust those who created the laws to serve justice? Yeah. Great question. 
The prosecution now calls Robert April to the stand, detailing how Una had served under his command when he was a captain of the Enterprise and how he had been her sponsor at the Academy and at AA. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's surprising they still have that with synthol and stuff. Like, can't you can even get, get wasted. Yeah, you, you can still get addicted to synthol. Mm. It doesn't fuck you up or anything, but... <laughs> But you got to drink some water every once in a while, not mm. just like that delicious non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they should offer poly water because that shit makes you horny as fuck. Yeah, like I mean, that, I, I, I'd it, rather drink that than alcohol, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that that'd be fucking people up in a cool way. Except it always ends with um, people opening up the airlock and then freezing the entire. Uh, True, station. or like a guy stabbing himself with a butter knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not good. Like poly water usually ends in destruction. Yeah. <laughs> Better poly relationships like uh, Riker and Deanna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, Spurk and Bones. Oh, yeah. Spurk and Bones. Spurk and Bones. Uh, that's what I call my, my balls and dick. My Spurk and Bones. <laughs> um, so, Battelle asks uh, April if that would mean uh, he has an investment in Una's career, and he agrees that it would. She asks if he had known uh, that she had been genetically modified, and he replies that he did not. Battelle asks if he would have sponsored Una in the Academy if he had known. April begins to deflect, saying Una was the most gifted applicant he had ever met, but when Bartell persists, he regretfully admits that he would not have sponsored her. Next in the cross-examination, Nira asks April... Uh, why he would not have approved Una's application, and April specifically cites Regulation 17, Article 12, making him a fucking nerd, mm. uh, barring s- genetically modified people like Illyrians from serving in Starfleet. Anyone who knows specific codes is a nerd-ass nerd. <laughs> like, well, I mean, he probably didn't know it until yeah, he looked it up before the trial. Yeah, still, nerd. It's nerd. You're fucking, that's a Bible verse for, for, idi- <laughs> for fucking lawyers. Don't do that. Mm. Uh, Nero points out April's rank and decorated service, knowing he wouldn't want to risk that for one individual applicant. April stresses it was not personal, and Nero agrees. It was, in fact, the law. She then asks April to define what General Order 1 is, earning an objection from the prosecution for relevance. Tloggle, one of the judges, overrides, curious about it himself. April explains that General Order 1, the Prime Directive, prohibited Starfleet from interfering in the development of other cultures. Nero then points out April's violations of the Prime Directive. In 2246, warning the Perikians, a pre-war civilization, of an apocalyptic meteor shower about to impact their planet. Then again, in 2248, sending his science officer to share Federation technology to halt an extinction-level drought on a drought, sorry, on the planet Norell and another pre-warp society and beaming down to the planet Man Us 2. Yeah, Man Us mm. 2. I want to Man Us 2 Man Us <laughs> in my ass. Uh, no, I don't. I don't bottom. Uh, without his security officer and revealing his starship to the pre-warp Ohawk civilization. Battelle continues to object and this time Java sustains, reminding Nira that the witness is not on trial, but in fact... Una is. Nero points out that the rules of Starfleet seemed only to apply when a captain deems that they do, which is actually a very fucking good point. Yep, and also I love that this is also establishing her entire defense, mm-hmm. and uh, and she's doing it in a very and and um you know for her denouement mm-hmm. later on you know just like you know establishing you know captains have a certain authority. 
yep. to do to do some do some things. Right. And but she's making it seem like it's like completely unrelated to what what her later point later. Oh, on she's about. she's setting up dominoes this like, whole episode. I, I loved I loved the way it plays out. It's it, like, yeah, I mean this is like <laughs> this is like getting really high and setting up a Domino's order. Oh yeah. And then like suddenly there's pizza at your door and you're really high and you're like, fuck, I wanted pizza. <laughs> it's like, it's setting up that type of Domino's. Yeah. yeah. You're just like, what is this Domino's tracker? Mm-hmm. Is there someone going to come play a game here? Yeah. <laughs> and then when the Domino's guy comes in, you're like, Hey, come in, man. And he's like, someone's going to come play dot. Wait, it says it's here. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, man, you want to come play Duck Hunt? And they're like, no, I really got to go. And you're like, no, you're coming in right now. <laughs> and then you show him the knife, and he's like, whoa, man, I don't want And you're like, you're coming in. You're going to play some Duck Hunt. Take off your pants. Two hours later, like his work phone is calling, and you just throw it in the sink. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, they're never going to come looking for you, boy. You're dead to them, and you're dead to me. You're going to be dead. Yep. If you don't help me eat this pizza. <laughs> yep. And then you have a pizza party. Hells yeah. Let them go. Have a good time. Mm-hmm. Tip them well, everybody. Tip your pizza guy. Uh, play tippy. Play tippy. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, tippy tap. <laughs> Nira is relentless in pointing out that April violated Starfleet's very first order on numerous occasions and is still heal- hailed as a hero. Mm-hmm. And yet Una is charged with breaking a law that she had no say in the matter of her own genetic modifications, which were done before she even was born. When she dismisses Starfleet's rules as flimsy and subjective as best, a visibly angered April rises to his feet, saying that Starfleet captains made judgment calls that saved lives every day, and that the rules Una had violated were there to save lives and prevent genocide. He again emphasizes he would have denied her application if he had known of her genetic modifications. Uh, Nira thinks it was fear and prejudice rather than law that motivated his decisions. Shiv reminds Nira that it was Una, not April, on trial, and the fact that she could defend her client, uh, sorry, the fact that she could not defend her client did not give her the right to attack the Federation or its officers. Uh, and he orders the admiral's testimony to be stricken. Mm. That's kind of fucked up, man. It is. Um, yeah, it's because I don't know. I feel like this is all kind of relevant. But yeah, you know. oh, yeah, yeah. Established, you know, you're establishing ca- character. He felt he fell right into her trap, mm-hmm. being like, you know, star, you know, Starfleet captains make decisions every day that save lives. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, you bet they do, dummy, dummy, dummy. You're gonna play- eat those words. I played you like a fiddle. I'm gonna cook those words up. Put a little bit of chili powder on them, mm-hmm. maybe some finishing salt, and you're going to eat them words, motherfucker. Mm. They're going to be prime. tasty. They're going to be tasty. Mm. Mm. Aboard the Enterprise, Ahura asks if Nira just tried to indict April, and Spock concurs. It seems so. Chapel concedes uh, that is one strategy, and Ortega's adds that it was one that didn't make April look good. Lawn wonders how this would help Una. Pike seems to uh, be having buyer's remorse about approaching Nira and quietly leaves. He meets with April in his quarters, admitting that reaching out to Nira had been his idea. April thinks very highly of Una, promoting her faster than anyone else on the ship and recommending her for uh, the Starfleet Medal of Gallantry after the Marcel incident in 2248. 
It was a shame, he adds, that that was when um, uh, Ross's monkey got loose. Oh, that's and right. She, the Marcel inside. I was wondering about that. Okay. And she and she was able to uh, she was able to uh, she put she put Marcel down. That's how Marcel died. Cool. I was I thought it was when she put down the uh, she went back in time and put down the famous mime Marcel Marcel. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the, the famous French mime, which I mean makes no. it twice as bad. No, and yeah, no, that's it's and it's when she like shot Marcel to kill. That sounds great. Yeah, it was it was that generation's Harambe. No, we miss Harambe. Yeah, Marcel deserved it. Mar- Marcel got everything that's going to him. Yep, that motherfucker. Made still fucking friends, me, motherfucker. Still owes me, still owes me money. <laughs> With friends like that, who needs enemies? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> got him. Nobody told you life that would be this way. In her cell, Una confronts Nira about her performance in the courtroom. Nero's response leads Una to realize that she didn't accept the case to help an old friend, but as a platform to overturn the genetic modification law and as a soapbox to broadcast her hatred of the Federation. Which, honestly, yeah, that rules. Mm-hmm. Don't hate for that fucking Una. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's being your lawyer for free here. Mm-hmm. Uh, she again tries to ask her about their past disagreement, but Nira does not engage, saying that she promised she would try to help, and that's what she's doing before leaving to return to her work. It's got to be, it's got to be sexual, right? Yeah. Past, past disagreement. Mm-hmm. Like, like one of them's like, I get to top. And the other one's like, excuse me. Pardon? It's my day to top. <laughs> so Nira calls Laon, Spock, and Mbenga as character witnesses for the defense. Laon and Spock uh, relate their first meetings with Una. Her rescue from the Gorn breeding planet and his first day aboard the Enterprise. And by the way, everyone is wearing new dress uniforms during this part, and they look awesome. Mm. They are such cool uniforms. Like, they're great costume design. Everyone looks sharp as fuck in these. And at first, I thought that one thing on their chest was a, um, like a uh, tie-dye Star of David. That would be cool. (laughs) I was like, why do they have a tie-dye Star of David? Like, oh, okay, no, it's not that. (laughs) No, it's definitely not that. I think it's just their decorations. Yeah, that would be an interesting choice, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like Pride Month plus uh, Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were doing a thing. Yeah. yeah, you know, it just happened that way. Are, are there any Jewish holidays in, uh, in in Pride Month in June? Hmm, interesting. Yeah. There it isn't. Yeah, it's not <laughs> L- L- LGBTJ, is it? <laughs> <laughs> the, the the G in LGBT stands for Goyam. Goyam, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, Nira calls Lawn Spock and Mbenga is character witnesses for the defense, and they all look fucking great. Mm. Lawn and Spock relate their first meetings with Una, her rescue from the Gorn Breeding Planet, and the first day aboard the Enterprise. Patel points out Lawn's descent from Khan Noonien Singh and asks if Lawn ever knew Una was Illyrian. Laon replies that she did not. Battelle asks if she ever suspected she was hiding something, and again Laon impl- replies in the negative. So question here. How is Laon not genetically modified if she's descended from someone who was genetically modified? Mm. Genetic modification is literally changing your DNA. Yeah. And 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 what what reproduction is is combining DNA. Maybe enough um generations had passed 
that they're like it's not technically i mean i guess one generation would pass where it's not technically genetically modified yeah but still like it is in a way like it's it's eugenics and mm -hmm. i think that's what they're most afraid of right is eugenics yeah uh but but we're not not really dealing with genetic or eugenics here and it's like i, I saw a couple of people online saying that this episode glorified eugenics and I, was, I, I don't know, man. I think it was kind of a dog brain take because yeah. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like genetic modification is like a different thing. And yeah, yeah, maybe they shouldn't be doing genetic modification, but like that's not necessarily eugen like making a designer baby and mm -hmm. like outright like, you know, fucking making sure people don't have children are kind of different things. Also, they kind of stressed how this is part of just, like, the Illyrian culture. It's like, and that's, you know, that, that you know, you, it's hard to not ascribe, you know, human morality to certain things. Right. And, like, but that's kind of, like, I feel like the point of a lot of Star Trek. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's like their, their, their customs are different. And they have their reasons for them. It's not like they're not there and they're not being amoral mm -hmm. in any way. It's just like that's part of their culture. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's like you can't you can't see it through the lens of your own of, uh, prejudice and stuff like that. You have to. Yeah. You have to put it in a container of your own understanding. Yeah. And that's that's another reason why I also like that they did consciously not give any of the Illyrians that you see like any obvious genetic modifications. True, true. And I like that because it really establishes how like the racism is completely um, manufactured by mm -hmm. like by the laws and by like absolutely and, and it, it's like because it's like not something that actually is like has any value. matters yeah. yeah it's it's like it it doesn't th this is not a material concern no like they are not at war with Illyrians or anybody genetically mm -hmm. modified and they haven't been for the last 200 plus years yep and so why are they so concerned about people g being genetically modified because they've encountered Khan once or twice and he's yep. been a big fucking dickhead yep. maybe it's because he's a big fucking dickhead who just wants unlimited power maybe yeah. it's a power thing and not a this person's genetically modified thing yeah and also yeah use it to to as a misdirect of you know of any problems because like you know because obviously like you know this episode you know mirrors all like you know racism you know and uh, currently right now like you know we have you know racism the like, mm -hmm. one thing in the news right now is like transphobia like we kind of treat you know, trans people the same way mm -hmm. in society yeah. and just like, you know, make them, you know, make them afraid, like as, as Una was, make them like, make them second class citizens. And mm -hmm. it's something that's not because of it's, it's, it's something that's like made out of like, uh, it's a human invention, uh, like yeah. this hatred of them and this, and this like, we need to ratify things. Yeah. And, yeah. and, typically like most of these people you know and this is the same with the illyrians you know like in they they're ju like just like everybody else yeah <laughs> like the yeah. illyrians like and so it's just like it's 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 a whole silly reason like uh, up until now una has been in public completely indistinguishable from everybody else yeah so and also yeah and just uh, look how all the illyrians are like basically except for you know the the space the lightning <laughs> it's yeah. like you can't tell them apart they're just like you know they're human beings. And Indeed. Yeah. So Mbengasis' only impressions of um, Una were her discretion 
and her empathy in that she handled matters with great care, especially penises. <laughs> uh, Spock admits that he did have a sense that Una was hiding something. Her affinity for Gilbert in Sullivan oh, musicals. Oh, Spock, you little goof. Yeah, right. And up until this point, I wasn't sure if this uh, episode was like a direct analog for gay rights. But I, at this <laughs> point, I'm like, oh, they just hit the gay button. Mm-hmm. They just they just slammed the gay button with their fist. <laughs> like, make it gay, make it gay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm I'm more on board with this now. I don't even like Gilbert and Sullivan, but like anybody who does is gay as fuck. Another another another. Uh, uh, thing that's shown up. I think it was like the second time Gilbert and Sullivan have like because also they yeah the, yeah they they reference they actually established this earlier yeah. that she likes Gilbert and Sullivan, which is and also very in uh, um, Star Trek Insurrection, I think was the uh, yeah was that a Gilbert and Sullivan song that they were singing the Mighty Mighty Man was or whatever the ship song? Yeah, I think so. Okay, was that or was that Nemesis? I forget. Uh, yeah, it was Nemesis. I think it was Nemesis. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the opening to Nemesis. Yeah, I, yeah. I always get the openings of those two movies completely conflated like mm-hmm. i always forget which one's the wedding the wedding's insurrection right i think i don't know it could be nemesis i think it's nemesis uh, yeah i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um so i think you might be right i'm not sure yeah. um so Laon goes on to say that una had ensured she was taken care of as she had sorry it's all good. Um, <laughs> just a second. Yeah, just one second. Sorry. <laughs> you good? Yes. <laughs> so Lon goes on to say that Una had uh, endured, uh, ensured she was taken care of, as she had no family left and sponsored her application at Starfleet and mentored her. Mm-hmm. Nira asks if that meant she would not be in Starfleet if not for Una, and Laon is... Uh, empathetic that she would not have even been, or emphatic rather, that she would not have even been alive. Moreover, the lives she had saved in her service were also attributable to Una's sponsorship. Battelle asked Spock if it would not be logical to apply punishment for breaking a law, and Spock agrees that it would be, but he considers it illogical for Starfleet to punish itself. He considers Una an exemplary officer, and her loss would be a blow to the service. Mm. Blow, all right. (laughs) Uh, Mbenga points out that she puts the lives of the crew above her own. Spock calls her a friend, and La'on calls her family, which was really touching, really sweet. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty cute. It's pretty, pretty touching right here. They, they like that Una. So aboard the Enterprise, Laon brings Nira a copy of the Uniform Code of Justice. As she goes to leave, Nira asks about her inquiry into how the prosecution found out about Una. Laon stammers that she hadn't yet, leading Nira to guess that Laon suspects she may have let it slip herself. Lon recalls that when she found out Una was Illyrian, she was angry because Una was her friend and had lied to her. She recorded a personal log and thinks someone got a hold of it. Nira suspects there is more to it than that, and Laon admits she is afraid of her own genetic heritage is a descendant of Khan and fears that she may become dangerous because of it. Nira assures Laon that there is nothing wrong with her, no hidden monster inside. That was how others made them feel, looking down on them for so long that they began to look down on themselves. Interesting idea, and also, like, plays well into, like, I guess, like, you know, making this an analog for race and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, race, uh, gay issues, and trans issues, mm-hmm. I think. 
So Lon's fears of her genetics are not her own, but drilled into her by others. I like to drill something in her, you know, <laughs> my, my, my penis. Uh, she stresses Laon was not born a monster, but born with a capacity for actions, good or bad, just like everybody else. Thinking on her suspicion, Nira knows that it takes six months and a boatload of admirals to subpoena a personal log, and they haven't had nearly that long. Yeah, really, this is like almost the equivalent of putting a German person on trial for Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. <laughs> like, You're not wrong. Which I like, mean, which which to be fair, which to be we fair, should do. Yeah, we fair. should we should put all of Germany on trial again. We should do Nuremberg trials part two. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they're all guilty. All guilty. Everybody named Sebastian has to answer for something. All right. <laughs> that would be funny though. It's just like they like they're like, wait a minute. What's your name, Kraut? <laughs> oh, oh, to my God! They find oh, out I'm oh, German! No, oh, oh, no, not again. Not again, no! They did this on the last planet. Oh, why do I wear my cultural lederhosen? <laughs> <laughs> I eat the big pretzels and bratwurst. Oh, no! It's, it's a dead giveaway. Yeah. Whenever you see anyone eating a pretzel and a sausage, mm -hmm. that motherfucker German and out. A, a sausage bent into the shape of a pretzel. Oh my god, they're just they're just <laughs> thinking about taking over Western Europe if yeah. they're doing that. That's yeah. all they're planning on at that point. They got that Austro Germany hungry shit going mm -hmm. on in their head, you know. Yeah. They're going, they're wiling out, wiling, wiling, wiling. Um. So therefore, Nira says, Laon could not be the source. Uh, she points out that Laon is chief of security and Una speaks highly of her before asking who she thinks did it. Laon admits she doesn't know, but thinks it was someone who would gain from exposing the truth. Nira agrees and thanks her for her help. Laon wonders why she feels like she's been hit by a shuttle, which Nira takes as a compliment. <laughs> Slamming that pusher. <laughs> As the court proceedings resume, Nira surprises Una, the court, and the crew by calling Una herself to the stand. Probably not a good idea to surprise Una. Uh, yeah. She asks how long <laughs> Una has been in Starfleet. Oh, she wanted to shoot from the hip. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, that's what lawyers do. They don't do, uh, you know, fucking coaching and prep. For yeah. <laughs> nothing like that. They shoot from the hip. They shoot from the hip. So she asks how long uh, Una has been in Starfleet, and she replies she's been in service for 25 years, adding that it's all she ever wanted. Besides Pike, but who doesn't? Mm -hmm. Nira points out she knew she was Illyrian, therefore genetically modified, asking if she did not think she would find herself in this position. Una replies she had been warned, but uh, her glance at Nira makes clear who warned her. It was Nira herself. When asked why she joined anyway, she replies with the Latin phrase, ad astra per aspra. And Nira says, that, wait, that's the name of this episode. Yeah, and then they both the look at the camera and go, what? Say what? Written by Joss Wheaton. <laughs> um, <laughs> she says it stands for to the stars through hardship and was the motto of Starfleet before the Federation, something she learned in history classes. She was drawn to that motto because, while she knew it meant they had to endure hardship to reach the stars, she believed it also meant that the stars could deliver one from anything. That while it also satisfied their curiosity and need for exploration, it also promised salvation. Nira asks why she would... Um, 
uh, seek salvation, asking about her childhood. Battelle, taken in by Una's passionate statement, has her attention returned to Pasalk, objecting to the relevance of Una's childhood history. Nero replies she is simply establishing context. If Una was being tried for being Illyrian, then the court had to understand what it meant to be Illyrian. Good point, I think. Yeah, excellent point. Javis elects to allow it. So Nira goes over the Illyrian basics. Una hailed from the Illyrian colony in the Volturra Nebula, given provisional Federation membership in the year before Una was born, on the condition they ceased genetic modifications. As Una admits, some did indeed cease, but for others, like her family, it was their heritage and their tradition. Living under the Federation, they had to perform their rituals in secret, and when new children were born... They had to, be, uh, they had to read all the Wolverine comics. Yes, precisely. Yeah, because Una's got those Wolverine powers. Yeah, absolutely. And now and they have to do their, their circumcisions in private, too. Because they never, they never, uh, they, they just have to wear like a machine that's constantly circumcising them because they keep on growing a meteor and meteor the foreskin. foreskin. Yeah, and so the foreskin like it gets done, and then the foreskin regrows. So they just have like a little little thing that fits on the head of the dick, and it just goes. <laughs> right, right. And if they don't cut it off, then they get the five skin, which is and it, yeah, it just like keeps it constantly just gives them a circumcision every time it regrows. I like that. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. So they're just getting. So it's like, like a, a little cock cage then. Yeah, yeah. So they're just getting like. 15 circumcisions a day, probably. Wow, that's a lot of circumcisions. Yeah, that's a lot of circumcisions. How many circumcisions would you like per day? Preferably zero. I agree with that. <laughs> that sounds nice. That the Gee, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> wouldn't that be nice if I had my foreskin? My parents didn't make a decision for me when I was young. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I was European so I'd have an uncircumcised dog. <laughs> You know, it's going to feel that much better. <laughs> if my dick could look like an iguana. Sorry, if, right. my, if my head <laughs> of my penis was wearing a sweater <laughs> made out of skin. <laughs> um, penis, that's what we're calling foreskin from now on is the cock sweater. The cock sweater. Got you it. Know, it keeps it extra warm, baby. Maybe that can be a new product on Soytrek.com. <laughs> just a sweater that says just, cock sweater. Just, just a little piece <laughs> piece of like round fabric that just says uh, foreskin. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's just like for people who don't have foreskin so they can oh, put yeah. a little, little sweater oh, yeah, on can, the head you of the can, You can have like a, 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 for, a foreskin prosthetic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or not not just like a little t-shirt for your penis. Probably a little t-shirt, yeah. Yeah, because it, it'll get cold. That's what the skin's there for. Keep it warm. My you know parents cut off my foreskin, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Yeah, I'm not sure I can fit that many words on there. Uh, so yeah. I'm just going to go for foreskin. Uh, I think that'll work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or just maybe the number four. And then people kind of just assume that it's foreskin, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Four shirt, foreskin. Yeah. Yeah, and then that way, like, uh, when you go to play up, like, a, piss, a pickup basketball game, they can be like, shirts or skins? And you can be like, skins, and then just take down your pants and t- <laughs> take off your... <laughs> That's, that'd be great if, like, pickup basketball games, like, shirts or skins, and then, like, oh, I'm on skins. I'm uncircumcised. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't have a dick shirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, then you're on shirts, aren't um so uh, living under the federation they had to perform the rituals in secret and when new children were born they had to seek out friendly doctors to deliver them 
I wonder, like, would they refuse to deliver the baby if it's genetically yeah. modified? Or does it get reported? I don't know what, like, well, yeah, what the fuck happens at that point? Yeah, well, it's all very confusing. So anyone found to be genetically augmented would be arrested. So, like, a baby would be arrested? Yeah, uh, put the baby in jail. Yeah, baby jail. Baby jail, bitch. Yeah, which I'm surprised America does not have a baby jail. I mean, we kind of do. They're called schools. <laughs> oh, <laughs> got them. Damn, damn, you'd be right, though. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah, school is prison, dog. School is prison. <laughs> They'd be farming us, man. Mm-hmm. Teaching us bullshit history and barely any math. Mm-hmm. Sucks. Oh yeah. So, um, <clears throat> Nira asks if uh, it had ever happened to anyone she knew being arrested for being genetically modified. Una replies that it did. A boy named Ivan Nira, her best friend's cousin, uh, Nira. Interesting last name. Oh, Ivan Katol. Oh, was it Katol? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, her name's Nira. That's Katol. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, sorry, I, I changed all the names on this text document. Katol <laughs> to Nira. So Ivan Katol, uh, her best friend's cousin. Mm-hmm. Some Illyrians had immune systems that caused them to glow, and someone must have seen him glowing, mm-hmm. glowing and blowing, baby. He got a, He got one of his like fifteen circumcisions of the day. Right. And someone saw his pants glowing. Like I bet he's Illyrian. He had to he, he had to go uh, empty his uh, circumcision pocket. Yeah. They're like, that, that, God, that can't be human. It's it's sort of like it's it's like a, a pencil eraser. It just gets filled with a whole bunch. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you just got to go and dump out all the foreskins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just like a pen, an electric pencil sharpener that's constantly going. <laughs> <laughs> a little cock cage pencil and sharpener. Just like the yeah, pencil sharpener it just collects all the, all, all the little pencil shavings, and then you just got to dump them out. And Because mm-hmm. if you don't dump them out, it just won't work. So he's like, oh, damn it. And he took it off and like put it in the trash and they just saw all these little foreskin slabs slabs going in there <laughs> yummy <laughs> i bet you can make like i don't know something like chitlins out of those right mm, yeah fry them up eat them oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's what i'm saying <laughs> it's, a, it's a limitless food source uh, yeah, if you, you just got, constantly you know, regrowing it right yeah you just have a whole it's like you know even on the lean times you know when they're because then, like, yeah, it's crazy that she describes, like, Illyrian ghettos, basically. Mm. Like, they get put into, like, um, like Jewish ghettos almost <laughs> when it becomes, like, Illyrian, non-Illyrian. And it's just like, yeah, like, you know, you know, in the Illyrian ghetto, you know, all we had to eat some days was, uh, the, fo- was the foreskin shavings. <laughs> Which, you know, might have been the case in a Jewish ghetto as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the darkest joke I've ever made. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that one. I don't sorry. Like- <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, Ivan Katol um, had been arrested. Some Illyrians had immune systems that glowed, and someone found had seen him. Uh, he came home to find the word "augment" on his door. Uh, they had just learned of augments in school, and opinions on them were clear. So this is clearly some Nazi shit. This is yeah. like Das Juden on your door mm-hmm. fucking shit right here. Yeah, crystal knock. Yeah. Um, so Nira asks if anyone defended him, including his family. Una replies that there were some who did, but not enough. Ivan, only 10 years old, was arrested along with his parents. Yeah. And they put him in prison. Child prison. <laughs> Gotta fight for your life in a prison setting with a bunch of adults and then the only ten. Yeah, that, wouldn't it be great if, yeah, you just Wouldn't hear, it be great? <laughs> <laughs> if ten-year-olds were in prison with full adults. 
Jared Fogle intensify. <laughs> yeah, Jared Fogle, like, it would be nice. Jared Fogle. Nicer than a six-inch turkey sub. Jared Fogle listening to this in prison. Oh, my God. Starts writing. <laughs> starts writing the governor. <laughs> I don't want to be released. I want something else. Yeah. Uh, dear governor, I think it'd be a good idea if 10-year-olds were in prison with adults. <laughs> hey, they can work a job now. Why not go to prison? Yeah, we can have them, like, you know, doing, like, the prison work. Why not? They got little yeah. hands. They can do, like, little tiny work. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. Very nimble little fingers. Yeah, yeah. They can do all yeah. the sewing and stuff like yeah. that. Child slavery, legal in prison, so it's fine. Everything's legal in prison. Everything's legal in prison. Right? Yeah, Prison's, slavery's legal It's weird prison. that prison is, like, yeah, prison is the place where, like, American law actually dies. Yeah. It's like, once you go to prison, you basically lose every legal right you've ever been given, mm. which is a super fucked up thing. Yeah. It's very fucked up. Yeah. Yep. Wonder if there's a you know if that's by design. Oh, it 100 percent is. <laughs> no, they just want to subjugate people, yeah. put them into slavery, and kill them, yeah. and end their their bloodlines. Hmm, wonder if that's why we have such a huge prison population. Yeah, I mean, you want to you want to talk about eugenics? Yeah. Like this fucking like genetic modification ain't eugenics. Mm-hmm. Fucking American prison system is eugenics. Yep. Like fuck that shit, man. Fuck that shit. Fuck them. It's bad shit, dog real bad so anyway um <clears throat> so Nira asks how it affected her community when the kid was arrested so she says some families were forced to move to planets outside the federation and those who stayed like una's family were persecuted the anti-augmentation laws in una's view seem to give people the right to act on their worst impulses mm-hmm. first with insults and denial of service at stores then attacks so this is basically like civil rights 100 yeah. percent, you mm-hmm. know Una recalls stepping in to protect a boy accused of being an Illyrian and suffered a broken leg. It was a simple fix with modern medicine, but her parents feared taking her to the hospital. The injury grew infected despite her modifications, and she would have died had they not found an Illyrian doctor willing to see them in the middle of the night. Civil unrest became so extreme that the government divided them into two cities, Illyrian and non-Illyrian. Una and her family stayed in the non-Illyrian city because they could blend in better. But they had to leave their family and friends behind, something she still regretted to this day. Mm-hmm. And yet, Nira points out, Una still decided to join Starfleet even after all that. But given how long she had kept that a secret, she asks, how did Starfleet find out? Though Javis warns Nira against badgering her own witness, Nira insistently asks, who turned Una into Starfleet? Una finally admits, it was her! Say what? Yeah, surprising, right? That was actually, yeah, I was actually like, what? (laughs) Uh, So she says she had grown so sick of living a lie, pretending to be someone she wasn't, that she wanted her crew to see her for who she really was, thinking if they did, she would be safe and Starfleet would finally understand Illyrians better. Mm -hmm. She remembers a Starfleet crew visited when she was a child, seeing how they were all so different from so many different planets. She thought that if all those people from those different worlds could work side by side, that she could too that she could be part of something greater than herself. She says, quote, Starfleet is not a perfect organization, but it strives to be, and I believe it could be. Mm. Which is a great quote. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she turned herself in because she believes in Starfleet, which is a real, like, uh, oh, my biggest fault is I, I care too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, as Battelle rises to cross-examine, Pasalk stops her and steps in himself, a look of disdain on his face. And this is when he becomes a real fucking dickhead. Yeah, this motherfucker. Yeah, so he... Ben Shapiro-looking bitch. Yeah, yeah. He concludes that while it was an emotional story, emotions were irrelevant and facts, facts were not... Don't, facts don't care about your feelings. Yep, uh, doing that bitch-ass move. He asks, at what point Pike was aware of her genetically modified status? earning an objection from Nira, who points out that Una, not her captain, was on trial. Good point. And, then they, and I like how this shows like how she has her hand on something that prevents her from lying. Yeah. And I was wondering why no one else had their were attached to that, because Leon, Lon pretty much lies on stand. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, and I didn't really realize that until this point. Like, oh, they're, she's attached to a truth machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but none of the other witnesses were. That, that is interesting. Uh, and like you figure we wouldn't have that in the future like we shouldn't have that now <laughs> no like fucking lie detector tests are bullshit oh yeah I mean and especially like you know lie detector tests right now that we have now mm-hmm. they're it's not scientific it's bullshit no 100%. and and um, it's mostly just like a psychological thing to like it's you an know, intimidation technique. Yeah, intimidation tactic yep. and presumably this lie detector is like a legit thing in the future like like I'm guessing <sighs> that I don't know, and that's the thing too. Yeah. Is like, how can it, de- uh, how can it like compensate for the fact that she's genetically modified? Like, yeah. what is different about her anatomy, and how can they, like, seriously? Also, another thing too is like, how are they not genetically testing everyone who enters Starfleet at this point? Yeah, like, what's the were. point? They can do it in a second with a fucking tricorder. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah, yeah, come that's on. the thing. Like, you know, and and Binga has everybody's like physiology. He does. He does like he does uh, uh, physicals on every single person. True. So he has like yeah, a, he has to. He, so he has like you know, and not only does he have like uh, Una's full you know genetic makeup basically mm-hmm. probably on a little chip somewhere. Yeah. Also like the fact you know they have her kind of saved in the transporters as well. That's true. So it's just like you assume that they have like her genetic makeup in the transporter. You figure they'd figure it out. Yeah. But interesting. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> So, uh, Pasalk says, if Pike was unaware of her fraud before her arrest and did not notify Starfleet, it was therefore not fraud, but conspiracy. Okay, hold on. Yeah, come on, dude. Uh, So, given that Patel did not elicit testimony from the parties involved, he asks Una again when Pike became aware, reminding her that she is under oath. Una admits that it was on Stardate 1224.3, which meant that it uh, was four months ago and Pike had hid her Illyrian heritage from Starfleet since that time. Pasalk dismisses the defense's case as appealing to emotion when it was the law that is important. Una uh, was an Illyrian and lied about it, and her actions will also lead to Pike, one of Starfleet's most decorated officers, facing a court-martial. He considers Una to be toxic in both action and inaction, and therefore it was only logical to find her guilty. Hefting her copy of the Uniform Code of Justice, Nira goes into the fucking zone. Oh, yeah. She's like, got you right where I want you, bitch. She she has set up every single fucking domino right into ten bowling pins that she has also placed perfectly. (laughs) And she is going to fucking knock over a domino and hit a fucking strike, baby. So she asked Patel if she's familiar with Starfleet Code 8514. Patel replies that she is because she's a fucking nerd and Nero has her read it for the court. 
It is Starfleet's code authorizing asylum for those fleeing persecution and fearing for their safety due to their political and religious beliefs or their biology. Starfleet captains had discretion at authorizing asylum, which was confirmed by a tribunal or designated authority. Nira points out Starfleet's tradition of performing rescue missions of aiding distressed peoples. Una knew this and chose to seek safety in Starfleet from the hardships she faced just for being in Illyrian for her physiology. Through her hardship, she sought the stars, joining Starfleet because she believed it was the only thing that could save her life. Una fulfilled this third requirement by revealing herself to Pike, who exercised his judgment as a Starfleet captain to grant her asylum. All that was needed now was for the tribunal to confirm it and absolve them both. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Like, she fucking set this shit up. Yeah. Uh, Nira admits she loves the law because a law was not a mirror to society, but an ideal, a beacon to remind people to be their better selves. Mm -hmm. Which I don't think she loves the law because she's like, this is a trial about an unjust law. Yeah. So I don't know if I really. Well, well I feel that. like like her point is like yeah, like laws are a mirror to society, and like and they eventually cha you know they change. Mm -hmm. You know, laws. You know, it's 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 an it's an ever evolving thing. That can adjust right. uh, once once you know society evolves and progresses. Right. And I think the only problem with that and like her framing that is the end of the episode and how yeah. it resolves. Yeah. Because nothing actually materially changes, which is a problem. No. Yes. And I yeah and I think like I, I probably think you know that's but it's probably like a step. Like for the for the Starfleet, it's a step in the right direction. It is, but we do know from Starfleet, uh, some, from Star Trek Prodigy, that this is still a problem. 130 years in the yeah. future, 140 years in the mm -hmm. future. So it's like, eh. yeah, they all did. <laughs> like they haven't changed the law in over a century yeah. after this. So I'm like, <laughs> so. <clears throat> um, Nira urges the tribunal to look to their better selves to apply the law that favors her with the same dispassion as the law that excludes her. Years ago, the ideals of Starfleet called a young girl from the far side of the galaxy to service, she says. Find those ideals inside yourself. She urges them to grant Una asylum. And just bravo. This whole speech, all of this, mm -hmm. fucking wonderful. So speaking for the court, Javis begins by saying they could all agree the issue of genetic engineering is a nuanced one, which I love when anything anybody says anything is nuanced. I'm yeah. like, oh, damn, like a person who actually cares about politics wrote this. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, uh, says it's a nuanced one and that the laws prohibiting it exist for good reasons. I don't know about that. And that regulations must persist to prevent another crisis like the eugenics war, which I don't think necessarily there's a, a point A to point B there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> again, this is like holding a German person like on trial for Adolf Hitler. Once again, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do but, this. Like, but it's still like, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, uh, clearly. And uh, yeah, it's like, yeah. Also, yeah. Judging them by the standards of, of, uh, of earth. Yeah, it's like v very much so. It's judging by them by the standards of Earth from like a very antiquated law. V yeah, very, very antiquated. antiquated. That yeah. just sticks around. Yeah, it's kind of like the law that prevents you from bringing a lion into a movie theater. It's like, yeah, <laughs> or the the law that prevents you from whipping out your penis in a movie theater. Yeah, doing a tippy and doing a tippy in the movie. It's like theater. I paid like over ten dollars to be here, and I can't at least play tippy tip. 
Uh, and also, they need to breathe. Yeah. Like, like, like the boy's got to breathe. Like, they got a what, mouth. They, what, it's, like, <laughs> what, you, th- well, you think a snake lives in a vacuum? No. 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 My boy needs to breathe. These py- the pythons got to get loose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it needs to surface for some air, you know what I'm saying? That'd be pretty cool if your penis breathed, wouldn't it? It would be. Yeah. That would, would kind of suck, though. Sometimes you know? I feel like mine is breathing fire, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, no, have, the, I have the clap. Uh, yes, yes. I, I've i got a kidney stone, and it's killing me. Do you do? No, no I'm kidding. Okay, I'm good. Kidding. That's good. I, uh, I Getting a kidney stone is one of the biggest fears. Like, I, I've known people that passed them. Like, I was at working with a guy one time. Guess, guess how many my dad has. How many? Had. He has no idea. Over a thousand. What? Over a thousand. Does he drink water? Yeah. He that's, He drinks a ton of lemon water and shit all the time. He, he, he has a he just has a chronic kidney stone thing that he's had since like his mid-30s. Jesus. Around my age, yeah. That sounds awful. Yeah, he's, he's been passing kidney stones weekly for the last 30 years. What? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. I can't even imagine. Me either. Yeah. Ugh. My dad's poor, poor dick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And I, one of my friends passed one one time, and he was just like at work, and he was just like, "Oh my God, it's out!" But the entire week, he was just like, "Oh, oh God." Yeah, it's supposed to be incredible pain because it's just like moving through your kidney and then your bladder, mm-hmm. inch and then your dick hole. by inch. Yeah, and then your fucking urethra, yeah, inch by inch by inch, and it's just slowly moving through. So, I've been told it feels like you got kicked in the balls until you pass it. And then it feels like you actually got kicked in the dick hole. Like yeah. someone put their foot inside your urethra. Just razor blades moving through your dick. Oh, my God. Please, no. <laughs> pray for my dad, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, pray for Brit's dad. Yeah. Hashtag pray for Brit's At this dad. point, I would have just cut off my dick, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Eat it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> uh, the court also believes that those reasons cannot treat each individual augment Illyrian or other person with modified DNA the same lines must be drawn but they must also shift when necessary uh, the judge continues adding that one day Starfleet and the Federation would change its views it should be today yeah uh, for the present they could only consider the defense's motion to judge the defendant's specific case so this is something that should go to their equivalent of the Supreme Court yeah but they shouldn't have the equivalent of the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court is illegitimate yeah so the tribunal elects to grant Una's request for asylum, and she is acquitted of the charges against her. Once again, I feel like they still have the same very shitty British precedential legal system that we do mm-hmm. here in America, which, like, we can't get to space until we have the French system of law, mm-hmm. which is the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all bad bullshit. <laughs> like th- this precedent was set 200 years ago and has not changed and it very much needs to change, yeah. obviously. Mm. And it still doesn't for another 140 fucking years after this. <laughs> so real bad, everybody. Real bad. Real bad time. So next we go. Uh, wait, did I read that? The tribunal elects to grant Una's asylum for request and she's acquitted of all the charges against her. Yay. Yay. Aboard the Enterprise, Pike, Battelle, Nira, and the senior staff are waiting in the transporter room as Una beams aboard. Una half-jokingly accuses Nira of setting her up, having found out about her admission, all of it. Oh, by the way, uh, when she was um, acquitted of the case, like, 
Una was just holding hands with Nira in the most lesbianic way you could oh, possibly yeah. hold a hand. Mm-hmm. It was like she was holding hands like, hey, who's going to fist the other one later? Mm-hmm. It was a good hand holding. Trick question. Both at the same time. <laughs> yeah, baby. Double punch. Double punch. Two punch combo breaker. Pussy breaker. Um so, aboard the Enterprise, Pike, Patel, Nira, and the senior staff are waiting in the transporter room as Una beams aboard. Una half-jokingly accuses Nira of setting her up, having found out about her admission, all of it. Nira replies that she didn't figure out all of it. Una thanks her for saving her life and apologizes for not doing more for Illyrians. This was a technicality, she says. But Nira thinks it's a start. She bids farewell and friendship, and they do some more really gay hand-holding. Mm-hmm. The crew begins to applaud Nira as she steps onto the transporter pad, and she points out she was not the biggest fan of Starfleet, but sees a crew proud to serve under an Illyrian commander. And like she said, that's a start. And she goes, except you, Patel, you fucking bitch. I fucking hate you. I fucking hate you, you and every one of your people needs to die. <laughs> Energize. <laughs> <laughs> Just shoots her, shoots her with a phaser and energizes away. Her ship immediately goes into warp. Uh, so as Nira beams away, La'on welcomes Una back, saying it wasn't the same without her. Una sees everyone gathered and wonders who's flying the ship with all of them there. Ortegas jokes that the ship practically flies itself before Una orders them back to their stations. The transporter room empties. Pike hugs his first officer, leave to have her back. And oh my god, uh, this is some A plus acting here. Mm. Like the way Pike looks when he's hugging her is like a man like hugging like his child, like when he thought they were going to die. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 emotion on his face is remarkable. Oh yeah. And uh, yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot of lines or anything in this episode. No, but, but he mostly just th- sits there and looks like either like kind of like th- like concerned, stately, or and handsome. Yes, <laughs> his hair does look really great. I want to say it like, always does. Yeah, it never does. He, it. <laughs> he's got a nice like mix of like you know black and white, you know, and the swoop. Love looks, that salt pepper. Inc- Love that salt pepper. Let's incredible. talk about sex, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that was the episode. What did you think? I liked it. Me too. Like, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, you know, we love, you know, we love our uh, Star Trek courtroom dramas. Yeah. You know, Measure of a Man. Mm-hmm. You know, this and this is basically like, you know, their version of a Measure of a Man. Mm-hmm. Like, um, we, it's a decision on on um, on a person's humanity. Oh, also like uh, uh, the Tribunal. We got Dax. Oh yeah, great. Dax. I fucking yeah. love Dax. Oh yeah. Because oh man, fucking Dax is found innocent because Curzon fucks so much. Because they're they're trying to hold a trial for Dax for a murder they think Curzon did, but then like the exonerating witness is this woman who's like, "No, I was fucking Curzon. Then. <laughs> no, we was definitely fucking." And they're like, "Well, uh, not guilty." <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking good. I fucking mm. that, that episode rocks. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're great. Like and yeah, just like but yeah, it's like basically using you know using like because then you can kind of and i like how it's like you know again the, like the star trek thing where we see you know the perspective of two, of the two sides you know you can see like justification for why the federation probably sees that way yeah but i mean it's a very outdated law it's very as outdated. we've talked about and it's, also it shouldn't apply to non-humans 
when it clearly, that's a very good point like, when it, when it, that's a great point actually yeah it's like clearly like other cultures can practice genetic modification safely and so it's like so that it's only humans who fucked it up for humans yeah. and they're still <laughs> they're still holding everyone to a human standard yeah which is super racist yeah like yeah it should, it should, the law shouldn't even apply to Lyrians. Mm-hmm. um yeah, it'd be, it'd be like if, like, immediately, like, tomorrow, they made the official language of the United States English. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't know that, especially fucking mouth-breathing idiots. Yeah. America, the U.S., does not have an official language no. by design mm-hmm. because we're such a mixing pot that it's it is it's never made sense. And eventually, like, as many people are going to be speaking Spanish here as English, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Spanish is a cooler language anyway. Mm. And we, yeah, like, yeah, mucho that's cooler. I, I saw a video the other day where it's like, uh, like these two, these, this guy's like, mm. goddamn America making me get married to my, my best friend, <laughs> married, married a man. And then like, they, they have like a, an adopted daughter and then like they're speaking Vietnamese to her. And he's like, that's right. I gotta speak Vietnamese cause, cause America won't make English the national language. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I like that, that rocks. It's, it's really fucking funny. I'll send it to you. Yeah. But like, uh, but yeah, but yeah, it's like, yeah, like why hold Lyrians to the standard and punish her for this? Right, especially like they they give them provisional status into the Federation and say, hey, by the way, like if you're genetically modified, you can't be a part of this. And like, don't give them a cutoff point because it's like she was conceived probably within months after them making that law, if Mm -hmm. anything, which is like, I mean, you, you, you know, it it would be, it would take me a long time to adjust if the, the government just said, Hey, you can't be fucking raw no more. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, listen, I'm gonna need at least a year to to adjust to this. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah you can't cold, cut cold turkey. You, gotta, no. you just gotta cold, start, cold jerky is what cold I call. Tur- it. You just gotta start wearing like um, like longer and longer condoms. <laughs> <laughs> you start off with a, with a little one that's just like, all right, and you just put that one on, and yeah. then like a little bit more next time, and you got you just gotta like step into it. Hell yeah. Build it up to where I could just wear a sock and still have sensation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. That's what we're looking forward to, baby. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. I really liked this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is very fucking good. Um, as I said, I think maybe the last episode or before we even started the season, like they're going to have a courtroom episode. And I hope it's good because I love Star Trek courtroom episodes. Yep. And guess what? It was the second episode and it fucking rocked. Yeah. I awesome. really liked it. It was, uh, it was really good. Um, the politics of it were good, even though, you know, as we talked about, the Federation still shouldn't be playing these fucking dipshit games. Yeah. And also, again, it doesn't affect, it doesn't, it doesn't apply to Illyrians. It just, it's based on, um, human bullshit. And also, um, uh, individual personal accomplishments like oh this is an upstanding member of this certain group. meritocracy yeah this that's okay so th- she's she 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 uh um she gets you know granted the rights because she's like an exceptional member of these people right but, which which is sucks because like yeah it's like maybe all these people should be granted yeah, rights regardless yeah, because yeah. that's how you treat other beings mm-hmm. yeah you know? yeah so it's kind of like that you know the the individualistic part of like of uh of some of the current trek but otherwise yeah. you know it, it is a good commentary on our own 
on America, on our own prejudices, on our, America. on our racism, bigotry, mm-hmm. and you know, broken you know, homophobia, transphobia, broken British law system yep. that we refuse to fucking let go of because we're idiots, mm-hmm. specifically British idiots. Yep. Yeah, and, and that is holding a mirror, just like you know, the law is a mirror of society. You know, Star Trek is a mirror to our society, being like, this is you people. What do you mean, you people? Americans. I mean Illyrians. Illyrians, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I think that might be a good place to leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely go watch this episode. Yeah, if you good. like Star Trek, this is like very good Star Trek. You know, I would put this up there with the top... The top five episodes of new Star Trek. Yeah. And I'd say the... You know, maybe the top three of this series. Yeah, because it, it really, and because it does give an opportunity for, for to really, like, bring home what the Federation is supposed to be out and what draws people to the Federation. You know, mm-hmm. you know, like this, you know, this, you know, this grand project to do something better, and mm-hmm. like, and that's what it should be held. And yeah, and you need to constantly also like, you know, you know, criticize it and. And do the, and do things to make sure it stay it evolves and constantly becomes better. And right. I mean, the the only way like a real democracy survives is under constant criticism. And you know, fucking yeah, just just us actually looking at our systems and saying, hey, is this good? Are we actually doing the right thing here? Yeah. Because you know what? Like historically, we've been wrong about yeah. everything. Everything. So it's always a good idea to look at your morals and your ethics all the time and say, "Am I still doing the right thing here? Yeah. Do better. We can all do better." Yeah. That's a great place to leave it. Yeah. Be well. Travel safe. And as Ferengi, no, we don't do that anymore. Oh yeah. Thanks for hanging with the soldiers. Yeah. Thanks for trekking with the soy boys, girls, and other widdly beans. Hang dong in Tippy? Always. <laughs>